Welcome to Rural Health Pulse. I'm Jim Kinnear, Chief Human Resources Officer at the Indiana Regional Medical Center. In this series, we focus on ideas and stories impacting the health of our region and explore the programs and initiatives designed to improve health care and wellness. This podcast is a collaborative effort of IRMC and Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Our guest today is Ms. Erin Clark, the Clinic Director of the IEP Speech, Language, and Hearing Clinic. Welcome. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here today. To get started, would you elaborate a little bit more on how long you've been at IUP and what your role entails? Absolutely. I have been at IUP since 2017. I was hired on as the clinic director and also as a faculty member. As my role as the clinic director, um, we do support our clinical services as a teaching program. So we have the speech, language, and hearing clinic at IUP that provides services to our Indiana community and surrounding communities. Um, All of our services are provided by our graduate students under the supervision of fully licensed and certified speech language pathologists. Could you give a sense of how many clients you might be serving typically over the course of, say, a semester? That is a very difficult question to answer because we provide services through a variety of means. We do provide services in uh, conjunction with the Indiana Area School District, so we uh, have a contract with them to provide some multi-tiered system of support services uh, through our local district. We do provide hearing clinic services and hearing screenings through the Indiana Area School District, as well as through our Head Start programs here locally. And then we also have our on-site clinic where we provide services to approximately 20 to 35 clients uh, per semester. On your on-site clinic, are most of those clients pediatric or do you serve a wide range of age groups? We serve a wide range of age groups um, at our university clinic. We accept clients of all ages, so we can service our very young population, but all the way up and service, uh, provide services to our geriatric clients as well. How long does a typical client work with you? I'm going to ask for clarification on that question. Do you mean uh, the individual sessions themselves or the duration of the services that they receive at our clinic? What's the typical duration for a client working with you? So our clients uh, will come and see us for a wide variety of timeframes based on their specific need area. So some of our clients may come for only a semester and other clients may come to us for many years. Prior to coming to IUP, can you share a little bit about what your experience had been there as well? Absolutely. Prior to coming to IUP, I served as a medical speech-language pathologist at a small critical access hospital. That term may not be familiar to all of our listeners, and so critical access hospitals receive specialized funding to provide quality health care services to rural communities. And so in that role as a speech-language pathologist at that critical access hospital, I do have experience in a variety of different settings within that healthcare system. Um, I did or do have experience providing services to skilled nursing facility residents, to acute care patients, to subacute care patients. Uh, I provided services in the home health setting, 
in outpatient. And then also our medical facility did contract with a local early intervention provider. So I do have experience in early intervention as well. When you think about providing speech and language services in a rural community, what are some of the special challenges? There are quite a few. Um, There are challenges with respect to transportation. Transportation is a huge one in rural communities. How do we get patients or clients and families that are interested in services actually to us? And that's hard when there are not... um, transportation or access to public transportation. So that's a very big barrier. Other barriers include financial aspects of pursuing services, um, and that can be for a variety of different reasons, um, whether that's the increasing cost of health care or whether that is um, jobs and availabilities and insurance coverages. Um, other barriers include knowledge of services and when to seek those services. Um, all of those are barriers in rural health care. To help the audience appreciate the importance of speech and language pathology services, could you give a few examples of typical clients and the types of services they might receive and how they could benefit from those? Absolutely. When we think about uh, speech language pathology services across the lifespan, we can work with really young clients with respect to feeding and swallowing skills, and those skills really do set these kiddos up for a trajectory for growth that is very critical for growth and development. When we think about some of our younger clients, we think about uh, developing speech and language skills necessary for them to make needs and wants known that help them to advocate for themselves and make sure that they are getting the things that they need and to set them up for a trajectory and a path for academics and education that are very critical. We can also think about um, our clients who have suffered from strokes and traumatic brain injuries who are finding a new normal and a new path back to what are the services and what are the activities or things in life that are meaningful to them, and we're working with those clients to, again, rediscover what is a new normal and how they get back to participating in everyday activities and helping their families to support moving back into everyday activities and um, things that are meaningful for them in life. We also are working with clients who have acquired dysphagias or swallowing disorders and working with them to ensure that we are maintaining quality of life, um, whatever that may be with respect to the difficulties that they're having with swallowing. We work with our kiddos that are on the autism spectrum and um, helping them to integrate sensory needs with also functional communication, whether that be through verbal communication or through a variety of modalities, sign language or augmentative and alternative communication. As you work with patients and other clients, what are the other healthcare team members that you typically work most closely with? 
We really do collaborate with a variety of different professionals. Um, we work very closely with physical therapists and occupational therapists. Um, in the healthcare setting, we work very closely with the social workers to determine um, plans for discharge and what would be a safe discharge for that patient. Uh, we work very closely with our referral sources, which are all of our physicians that are referring to us and um, know our specialties and what should be referred to us across the areas of swallowing, cognition, language. Um, we work very closely with um, neuropsychologists that we are referring to and that are referring to us for our patients who have uh, cognitive communication deficits. Here at the IUP Center, I'm just curious in terms of the population that you serve, is it primarily individuals living fairly close to the university? Is it through the county? Is it beyond the county? Can you give us an idea of the scope? Absolutely. We actually have been very lucky to service a wide variety of individuals that are coming from far and wide. Um, we have individuals that are seeking our service because of some of the specialized areas that our faculty represent um, with respect to augmentative and alternative communication that are coming to us from um, many counties away in some situations. Um, but we also do have a variety of clients that are here right in Indiana County that um, are seeking our services and um, have potentially been coming to us for a long time. Indiana seems very fortunate to have a center such as this located here. What do you think the services would be like if IUP and, and the current center was not located here? Indiana is very fortunate in that there are other service providers here in our county that are excellent service providers that we do collaborate with, you know, through Indiana Total Therapy. They have a wonderful speech-language pathology program there. Um, the districts have excellent speech-language pathologists both here in Indiana and in our surrounding districts. Um, and so while they are providing amazing services, we recognize that there are limitations to the amount of students that those SLPs can have on caseload, to the number of clients and the number of slots available in outpatient kinds of services. And so we are very grateful to be able to provide support services to some of those individuals that are receiving services elsewhere, um, but also to be a service provider for some of our clients who are don't qualify under certain service provisions um, or who have exhausted their medical benefits. And so we're really grateful to be an avenue for those families and those individuals to still uh, continue to receive services and to still continue to benefit from those services. And earlier in our conversation, we were mentioning costs and payment being one of the barriers to getting services. So it's great to have a source like IUP as a supplement to those other services. Absolutely. And also more accessible to individuals that might not be able to have full coverage for Absolutely. We are currently operating as a free clinic, and so we are not billing through insurances, so we are not collecting co-pays, um, nor do we have any fee schedule attached to our clinic. So we 
are offering all of our services uh, free to our communities. And we recognize that we are a teaching clinic. So our services, again, are provided by our clinicians, our student clinicians, under the supervision of our fully certified and licensed faculty. Let's talk about the students. Earlier you mentioned that graduate students gain experience working uh, through the center. Uh, can you tell a little bit more about how that's structured? Absolutely. So our first year graduate students um, cycle through a variety of clinics here on campus. They take a uh, treatment clinic that is here in-house. Um, then they also provide or take a district clinic under the supervision of one of our faculty and work with our local school district. They take a diagnostic clinic, a hearing clinic where they are providing hearing screenings and doing hearing education to um, our clients, our district, and then also to our local Head Starts. And then they also will complete a rotation through a new simulation clinic where they have the opportunity to put some medical skills um, to the test under low stakes environments that um, do not put any, um, that present no risk to patient safety. Wow, quite a comprehensive number of experiences and exposures for students going through the program. And that is for our first year students. Um, our program is a two year program and so then our students go off to two full time externships during their second year where they We'll have one experience with adults and geriatrics and then one experience in the pediatric realm, whether that be in a school or a pediatric hospital or pediatric outpatient. And we do involve our undergraduate clinicians as well in clinical experiences. They do provide a literacy enrichment program um, during our undergraduate program as well. What kind of trends are affecting the delivery of services that are also incorporated in these student experiences? One of the newest trends has been telehealth. Telehealth has um, really exploded as a result or in response to COVID. Um, that is an area where our students now have experience because across the United States, we are seeing an increase in telehealth opportunities for speech language pathologists. Um, our provisions for being able to provide telehealth services via our HIPAA compliant Zoom platform um, has been extended and extended again in response to ongoing COVID needs. And we, will, we continue to monitor our availability to provide those telehealth services. But bringing that back to our rural community, sometimes that's not always an option given um, limited access to internet capability in some places in our county. I know in Indiana County, broadband access is a, is a hot topic and one that you know, many local officials have been working on. So this is an example of how that creates a barrier to care. Absolutely. In addition to telehealth, are there any other key trends that you see affecting your field? There are always changes in insurance coverages, and what is being covered and what's being considered developmental and is no longer being covered by health insurance carriers. There are questions about student supervision and provision of services by students in our field that we continue to monitor and I know has the potential to impact our ability to secure placements for our students. 
which again is a critical component of our teaching for our students to make sure that they are qualified professionals to head into the field for their clinical fellowship year. Just want to ask a follow-up question regarding telehealth. Do you feel that the services that are delivered face-to-face can be delivered as successfully and as effectively through telehealth? That is an excellent question, and it's an answer that is not black and white. There are clients that are absolutely appropriate for telehealth services, and for those clients for which telehealth is appropriate, research is suggesting that the outcomes are the same as face-to-face services. It is um, true, though, that not every client is a good candidate for telehealth services. And in those situations, absolutely, we wouldn't pursue telehealth because we know that the outcomes um, would not be good and that the service provision would also not be high quality. So I think that's a really important point that you made is that keeping that individual at the focus at all times and like any other therapy or technique, something might work more effectively with one person than another. Telehealth might be more effective for one client than another. Absolutely. I'd like to hear more about your students and you described the training and preparation that they go through. What's the career outlook for them coming into this field? The career outlook looks fantastic. We are finding that in the job market, um, our um, employment rate post-graduation is 100%. Um, We are finding that our students are seeking employment in healthcare versus in school-based opportunities or in uh, working with adults in geriatric versus working with pediatrics being about 50-50. So our students who are graduating are qualified and are finding employment in both of those arenas. Um, we anticipate that uh, the need for speech-language pathology will continue to be there as more and more professionals Um, and more and more individuals that are referring for services are understanding truly the scope of practice for speech-language pathology um, as far as feeding and swallowing, as far as cognitive communication deficits for our individuals who present with dementias. Um, Really understanding that scope of practice will help to um, ensure that there are jobs available for speech-language pathologists. Is there anything about the program here at IUP that you're particularly proud of? There are so many aspects of this program that I am proud of. Um, I think that our faculty represent a unique um, span of knowledge. So we don't necessarily have a focus here at IUP where our faculty are really balanced with respect to the number of faculty that represent adult and geriatric interests and uh, the faculty that represent our pediatric interest. And even across that, our faculty have specialized areas of interest in augmentative and alternative communication, in foreign accent uh, modification, in voice disorders. And so we have some unique perspectives and unique areas represented in our faculty. We also do have a dedicated speech-language pathology simulation lab, which is very unique uh, for speech-language pathology programs. And so we have had the opportunity to develop a course for our students where they can, in that low-stakes environment that doesn't present risks to patient safety, 
to begin to apply the knowledge that they have been learning in our didactic courses to the simulation environment. So they have the opportunity to practice skills with our simulated patients um, and with our mannequins, and then apply those skills and practice those and hone those prior to going out on their internships where they are working with patients um, and their families. Can you tell a little bit more about the simulated patients? Absolutely. So um, with our course, we've developed a workflow where our students have the opportunity to practice decision-making skills on a computer-based format and then tier those skills and then work with a mannequin um, on those same skill sets. And the patient profiles that we have developed really follow a patient through the first evaluation and follow-up evaluations and then into treatment so they can see the evolution of a patient profile and to see the decision-making that goes into this evolution of a patient. Fascinating. Thinking of individuals coming into a rural health environment, sometimes in some health professions, it's difficult to attract individuals to want to work in a rural environment. Is that true of your field? That is absolutely a challenge. Um, as a speech-language pathologist working at our critical access hospital, our program was growing significantly, specifically in speech-language pathology. Um, and at the time, I worked as a clinical fellowship mentor. And so we would hire new graduates who were looking for an experience in a medical setting. And we would mentor them through their nine-month mentorship program. And anywhere from nine months to 18 months after hiring them, we saw that they were leaving our rural community to move closer to home, to move where there were more opportunities for young professionals. And so it was a challenge. We had a revolving door of clinical uh, fellowship clinical fellows that were coming through. While it presented some staffing challenges for us as a department, there were also benefits. The benefits were that these young professionals were coming to us with the newest research, um, with a new way of thinking, with vitality and um, passion for making a difference. And so while there were definite staffing concerns from an administrative standpoint, we had a pool of young professionals who wanted this medical professional job um, to be a medical speech language pathologist, to um, have the opportunity across a variety of settings um, because we provided a variety of opportunities for those fellows to see. And so for fellows who weren't quite sure if they wanted to work with pediatrics or wanted to work in skilled nursing or wanted to work in home health, they had an opportunity to experience all of those different settings to either find their passion or to continue to learn that they love to do it all. Um, but again, the great thing that they brought to us was that newness of a new professional who was excited about making a difference and making a change in the rural community. And that brought with them the newest research um, and were able to apply that to working in rural healthcare. 
Well, that's great, and I love how you're seeing the positive and having those new individuals coming into the field. And sometimes we don't appreciate those aspects of things, so I applaud you for doing that. Thank you. Is there anything that you'd like to talk about today that we haven't discussed at this point? I think one of the things that is great um, about, again, IUP and our program here at IUP is that we are looking outward in many different ways. We're looking outward as far as the partnerships that we are creating with our local districts, uh, with our local Head Starts. Um, and so we're looking outward to make these connections with our local physicians, um, but also looking outward in how we prepare our students to step into these roles in a variety of different settings and in various communities and working with individuals um, with a variety of different needs um, across the lifespan. Well, that's really exciting. And I just want to take a moment to thank you again for joining us today and telling us a little bit about what's happening here at IUP with the Speech, Language, and Hearing Clinic. And I wish you the best of luck in the future. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. The IUP Speech, Language, and Hearing Clinic serves both current needs while also preparing future professionals to work in a number of settings, including rural health care. Rural Health Pulse is a collaborative effort of the Indiana Regional Medical Center, Indiana University of Pennsylvania, and the Indiana community. It is produced by Chris Korn from IUP's Division of University Advancement and recorded by the IUP Communications Media. I'm Jim Kinnear. Thank you for listening and be sure to watch for future episodes of Rural Health Pulse.